Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Happy Thursday afternoon and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Book your tee time today. Great weather today. Looks like it's going to be okay tomorrow. A little cold this weekend. It'll warm back up. This is that time of year where you can uh, you can sneak in around, even if it doesn't feel like golf weather all the time. You can get it in, and you certainly will enjoy it at the Dancing Rabbit. C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Gigabit fiber for business. What does that mean? It means really fast Internet for your business. So whether you are processing transactions or going through videos and uploading them, or, I don't know, you've got massive files that you have to transfer. C-Spire's got you covered, and their downtime is basically non-existent. 99.99% uh, of the time that is up, and it is fast, and you need that for your business if you don't already have it. C-Spire, customer-inspired. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Welcome. Good afternoon, boys. How are you? Great. Glad Couldn't to hear be better. Good. Let me see if I can make you a little bit better. See, see if this makes you feel any better. Twenty-five hours in Starkville and Hattiesburg from opening day. You gotta wait till Honolulu for your opening day. You got thirty-one and a half hours to go. Until the college baseball season begins for 2024, it is here. I feel like in a lot of ways the buildup has been different this year than uh, maybe it has been in some recent years, but it's probably as simple as results on the field a season ago. But it is here, and we love our college baseball, and fans love their college baseball, and hey, when you're on the eve of opening day, hope springs eternal! It does. I, I'm also intrigued by 
these teams this year and I know fans want their team to win and they just tell me if the team's going to be good if they're not I'm not happy but as somebody as a group of us in the content business in the story business in the conversation business all three of our teams in Mississippi that play division one baseball have something very interesting about them Southern Miss end of an era not incoming new coach, but kind of incoming new coach. What's that going to look like? Mississippi State, you you would assume they have a coach on the hottest of hot seats. Uh, at Ole Miss, you have a number seven portal class. Can those guys come in and acclimate and replace a ton of outgoing production from a bunch of guys that won a national championship on a team that wasn't particularly good? Last year, there's a lot of things in it, if you dive deep into each team that make them all quite interesting. And so, even though we're we're not here talking about hey, this team can win a championship, there's a lot of stuff that these early series are worth watching for all of these teams for different reasons. So, usually, non-conference baseball is kind of dull unless you're into that. You know, round robin tournament in Arlington or whatever. Hawaii's kind of interesting, uh, being on the road at Hawaii. I know uh, Ole Miss has a series with a ranked Iowa team coming up, so there's there's some stuff there, but usually not a whole lot because you just expect these teams to line up and just beat these schedules. Mississippi State's non-conference schedule is bad, frankly. So generally, you expect them to win, but there's a lot to watch for. For all of these teams, they're really intriguing despite the low expectations. I agree, and I think we've got questions, like lots and lots of questions. And one of the things that we're going to try to do is attempt to tackle some of those questions today. But if we're being completely honest, there's a lot of I don't know. Like, going to have to wait and see. So, let's start something off uh, that we didn't prepare for. We didn't talk about this earlier today, but I'm just going to throw it out at you. Got any bold predictions for this college baseball season for Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss? Any bold predictions? I'm, I'm happy to start if you'd like me to. I can go bold. All three. I've got. I've, I've already given my bold. Make the postseason. Hey, Dad. We'll be covering two coaching searches in May. I continue to push back on that. But well, you asked for bold. I, I did. I actually. Um, I'm actually going to go more on the side of Borky than I am the direction that you're going. Hey, Dad. I think this turns into a bounce-back year for both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Now, the, the, the question for Mississippi State as it pertains to bouncing back is on the mound. It's, you know, will the pitching be good enough to support an offense that is expected to be great? But my bold prediction is that, you know, Borky said a second ago, Chris Lamonis on the hottest of seats. Hey, Dad said we're coaching, covering a coaching search. I'm going a different direction with Mississippi State baseball. My bold prediction is by the middle of April, the idea of Mississippi State making a coaching change is a thought that is in the rearview mirror. 
that, that that's no longer a topic of conversation. And I was actually going to go the exact same route that Borky went. It's a bounce-back year for Ole Miss. I think they like the pieces that they've brought in. There are questions on the mound, especially with a couple of arms uh, out for the year, which is certainly disappointing when one of those guys is was expected to be in your starting rotation in Xavier Rivas, and he was really probably the most consistent arm a year ago. And then you got a young guy that um, that they really, really liked who is on the shelf for the season as well. And with Southern Miss, I think it's a good year in year number one for uh, Christian Ostrander. Southern Miss released their weekend rotation earlier today, and you got familiar names, but in new roles. Nico Mazza, the Friday starter. Billy Oldham, the Saturday starter. Cross Sively, the Sunday starter. Luke Johnson going to join us uh, a little bit later this afternoon. We're going to talk with him in greater detail about this Southern Miss team. You got any uh, positive predictions, hey, Dad, or are you just like sticking with negative? No, I mean, there, there, there'll be some, I think there'll be some individual positives. I think Dakota Jordan will be one of the top players in the conference this year. I think State will be better at pitching, but I don't know if they're going to be good at pitching. Okay. I'll I don't know if they could be that. worse at pitching, to be totally honest. I, I just, hey, Dad, I'm, I'm, I know you and I are just at odds on this. I think the only way we're mm-hmm. co- covering two coaching searches is if Mike Bianco decides to retire. I just huh? just don't see it any other way. Um, I mean, isn't the obvious answer to that is that I mean they just sold the second most season tickets of all time, and I mean we, we saw the, the the budget numbers, and I know you can always find the money and things like that, but as long as baseball is breaking even or making money, you're not firing a coach. Not when you're paying your football coach over nine million. It's going to approach ten million soon. And your defense coordinator two point five, and you're doing all, and you're going to have to fight to. You would think you're going to have to fight to keep Chris Beard. He's going to get a raise regardless. All this stuff that's going on in a vacuum. Firing your coach that brought your program to relevance two years removed from a national championship when the program is still operating, generating revenue is probably fiscally not a decision that an athletic director should make. Yeah, you're probably onto something there. I mean, maybe finances plays a role in it, but but I think it's more about the latter than the former. I think it's there's been one bad season in 21 years. It just happened to be last year. And two years ago was the best season in Ole Miss baseball history. And I know they got hot at the end and it was all on the road. Well, whatever. They got a trophy at the end of the season. They were the last team standing, and they carried a trophy off the field uh, off the field at Omaha. Ole Miss has had teams that were better than that 2022 team that didn't do that. They didn't even get to Omaha. It's hard to win a national championship, and they did it just two years ago. It's the you got the winningest coach in program history. I just don't think it's a relevant conversation. It, look, I've been wrong before. I will be wrong more in the future. I just don't think I'm wrong on this one. But maybe so. We'll, we'll see. Fun thing is we get, I don't know, 60 or so games to uh, to let it play out over the next three and a half, four months. Tim in Ridgeland says, remember, uh, Bank, uh, Bianco is set to have his 1,000th win overall and his 900th at Ole Miss in March. Not a, not a ton of coaches that have, uh, have done that. Donald in Oxford with a bold prediction. Dakota Jordan and Hunter Hines hit a combined 50 home runs 
and become known as the new Bash Brothers, and it becomes a major storyline. Heck yeah. Um, we'll get to more of your predictions as well, and we'll talk more about these teams when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Get your juices going, doesn't it? Hey, Dad. That takes you to a place, a baseball place that makes you smile, makes you happy, makes you optimistic. No? I mean, I like the song. I am not going to fall into this trap again. Did it last year. We're, we're going we're gonna to play wait and see with this baseball team. All right. Come back. We'll talk in mid-March, and I'll, I'll have say, a better idea. How long are you waiting, and what do you need to see? When they play LSU on the 15th, if they have more than four losses, I'll know. All right, so how do we, how do we get to that point? Opening the season with the three-game series against Air Force, which we've talked about. Should be a good start to the year for Mississippi State. Should be. Got to go play them. And I would imagine that yeah. Air Force has a, a reasonably good squad. Um, Then two games in the midweek. Ago. Say what? They were not good a season ago. Okay. They, were, they weren't really that good two years ago when they had Paul Skeens. They had a stud, but they didn't have enough pieces. But everything else was... Did you ever think back when you were watching Paul Skeen's pitch last year and be like, how did he end up at the Air Force Academy? It's a great question. He doesn't really <laughs> like, fit the physical profile. Yeah, I Certainly mean, not of a pilot. I don't know. Either just yeah. uh, Tom Cruise, but... Yeah, but... Uh, I don't know how to tell you this, Borky, but uh, Tom Cruise... First off, Tom Cruise was a naval aviator. Uh, he was not in the Air Force. In Still that an point. aviator. But two... Two, and far more importantly, it's just a movie. He was not actually a pilot. And interestingly enough, a movie that originated in the 80s that Borky has actually seen. Oh, 100-plus times. Truly, Top Gun, the number of times that I've seen it, is roughly 40, I would guess. And yet we can't make it 39 and see Karate Kid one time. Nope. No. Uh, all right, so after Air Force to open the season, a couple of midweek games, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week against Austin P. Then Georgia Southern rolls into town for a three-game series. Am I crazy, or has Georgia Southern been a pretty decent baseball program? They've had they had some good years in the past. Let me see. I, I don't know right off the top of my head what they were a season ago. Am I thinking? I, I always confuse Georgia Southern and Georgia State. Southern was no, two games you're below 500 last year. But they have had good teams in the past. But, yes, they were not a good team last year. They were a 2022 NCAA tournament team. So I was thinking about two years ago. Okay. Uh, prior to that, 2014, 11, 9, 2, 1, 2000. So they had a pretty good run 
the end of the 90s, beginning and in the, of the College 2000s. World Series in 1990, Mississippi State eliminated them. Oh. And the winner of the 1990 College World Series was Michael Borky? 1990? Yeah. It was negative two. I don't know. Hey, Dad? Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs. Who's that guy? That Dave is... Fleming? Was that his name? That pitcher they had? Mm, at one they point, had the guy had State, play, State played was... them in one year. Played, played them in game one, and he just dominated them. They were good. They were uh, they were really good. So Georgia Southern is the second weekend. Jackson State midweek. And then, is this right? A Thursday, Friday, Saturday series to end the month of February and roll into the month of March against Mount St. Mary's out of Maryland. Playing in Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Appears to be correct. And then March 5th, Tuesday, March 5th, a game against Southern Miss and Pearl at Trustmark Park. You and finally we, reached a game that I would look at and go, I wouldn't, State might lose that one. Okay. The Evansville Aces will be in Not Starkville good. March 8th, Not 9th, and 10th. Team. Two games in Biloxi, spring break week, South Alabama and New Orleans. And then the Bulldogs come home on March 15th to that date that you had circled on the calendar for when you feel like you will know something, LSU in Starkville to start SEC play. Yeah, I mean, when I look I look at this team, you know, Southern Miss, that'll be a tough game. Southern Miss, always tough. South Alabama is a program, always a tough game. The rest of these teams... I mean, I don't. I mean, the best team remaining is Evansville. They were thirty-seven and twenty-four last season, but they did not uh, didn't make it out of their. Uh, they didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, this schedule was designed. You can you can tell from looking at it that the, the design was to win a bunch of games, get a lot of confidence early, and hopefully have some momentum rolling when you enter conference play, and then just try to find your way to thirteen wins or so. If if they're sitting at you know I, I don't off the top of my head don't know how many games this is but I just say sixteen if they're sitting at like eleven and five mm-hmm. nah I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not no now last year and the year before they had, they had issues in in the non conference they were at five or six losses by the time they got to conference play and and if you can't beat these kind of teams regularly you you got really no shot especially with this year's SEC schedule when you're playing the 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 the, the teams that states got on there. You know, they've got LSU. They've got to go to A&M. They've got to go to Florida. They have to That's uh, the first three Oxford. weeks, by the way, of league play. LSU at home, yeah. at A&M, at Florida. And then they also go to uh, to Nashville and to Fayetteville to play Vanderbilt and Arkansas. I mean, you've got to pile up some non-conference wins and then just hope you're not getting swept in those conference series. I mean, And the, then the, f- find a way to win some of your series at home. The, the schedule's brutal. I mean, it, it just is. Now, I, I think really most stinky. everybody in the SEC is going to have a brutal schedule, but this one is particularly Yeah, hard. there's no getting around that. Reigning national champions to start the season, A&M in week two. Did A&M end up making the tournament last year, or did they kind of fall off last season? Schlossnagel, I think they made I the tournament. The, I think they made the tournament. Of course, two years ago they were in the College World Series. Um, Florida, College World Series team last year. 
Georgia, new coach, Ole Miss, rivalry series, Auburn, NCAA tournament team a year ago, Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. expected to be really, really good this year, NCAA tournament team, Alabama, super regional team last year, Arkansas, NCAA tournament team. Good news is Bulldogs close it out against Missouri in Starkville in the final weekend of the regular season. And, hey, that could be a meaningful weekend, or that could be one of those weekends where you're like, can you believe there are this many empty seats at Duty Noble? Yeah. A&M uh, lost in the Stanford Regional a season ago. And you That's say good right. for, you know, play, playing Missouri, State's lost its last two series against Missouri, including the year they won the national title. Yeah. New coach at Mizzou as well. They, uh, yeah. they poached the Memphis coach in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, expectations for Mississippi State baseball. What are they? What should they be? And when I say what should they be, I don't mean what should they be this year. I mean, like, big picture, year in, year out, what should they be? What should the, the expectations of Mississippi State be mm-hmm. year in, year out? Yes. To contend for Omaha. Every- 100%. I'm not saying to make it to Omaha, because that, that's unrealistic. But they should be in the the. This is a top fifteen program discussion every year, in my opinion. Yeah, you have a year where maybe you have a year where you take you you have a, some you lose a lot and you take a step back and you're just a, you know a team that's maybe you're on the bubble of hosting. But I my expectation for Mississippi State baseball is they built a seventy million dollar stadium so they could play baseball there in June. So in that's, your that's mind, my Mississippi State every single year should be an NCAA tournament team every year. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah, A down year for Mississippi State should be uh, you're a two-seed, maybe a three-seed in somebody else's regional. That should be your down year. And I don't don't feel like that's over. I don't feel like I'm setting a really high bar there, if I say that. I think when we've done this in the past, when I was talking about Ole Miss, I've said, in my mind... You can either take a four-year sample size or a 10-year sample size. Ole Miss should be in the NCAA tournament eight out of ten years. If you want to argue they should be there every year, I, I'll, I'll listen to that. They I mean, should just, host It feels like three out of five years. It feels years. like if you're in the SEC, if you're in the SEC, and I, mean, I know we're about to have 16 teams, but if you're in the top 11 you're going to get to the NCAA tournament most times. I mean, it, it's not it's asking not that much for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Well, I mean, I have to go back and look, but I mean, I just feel like if that's not asking that much of these two programs. Yeah. It's really like asking Alabama or Georgia to just be seven and five. Be seven and five at worst. That's where I feel like you're you're telling them uh, for baseball. Yeah, I might I might actually amend that and say Ole Miss should be in the postseason nine out of ten years. They should be hosting six to seven. Mm. They should host six out of ten years and be in the discussion for it. We'll pick this up when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi.
what Ole Miss has done in terms of the postseason in Mike Bianco's tenure. He is starting his 23rd year, so he has coached 22 full seasons at Ole Miss, but you have to throw out 2020 because there was no postseason. So in 21 years where there was a postseason, Ole Miss has been to 18 NCAA regionals. So that's roughly 90%, roughly. They missed it in 2002, his second year. They missed in 2011, and then they missed in 2017. I'm sorry, last year was the fourth time that they missed the postseason. So four times in 21 seasons, so that's a little less than 90%. Um, In terms of super regionals, Ole Miss has been to eight in 21 seasons. They had the three in a row in 05, 06, 07. They went in 2009, went to the College World Series in 2014, and then had super regional appearances in 19 and 21, and then in 22, obviously won it all. So it kind of lines up with what I think think I was saying a second ago about expectations. I think it's reasonable to expect Ole Miss to be in the postseason in nine out of ten years. To be in a super regional, what, five and a half, six out of every ten years? And then get to the College World Series three times in ten years? Completely reasonable. Yeah. Completely reasonable. And I would and, also say... And of those nine regionals, you should probably host at least five of them. I'd say more than that. But the other thing I would say is that year you miss, you need to come back really strong the next year. It needs to be a year where you're like, look, you can see they're young. They're taking their lumps this year. They're all going to come back next year. You don't want to be missing the regional with an experienced team. You want it to be the year after a big year, you had you have to play some freshmen. They take their lumps, and then you come back the next year, and you're one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. With all that being said, 2024. What what is a realistic expectation for these teams in 2024? For state, it's to be back in the postseason. I, I would tell you that I feel like in year three. After two years of not making it, the bar should be higher for Chris Lonis. It should be to host, but I don't know that this team can get there. But to, again, to go back to what I said earlier, to be a top 10 team in the conference, not the country, in the conference is not asking too much of anybody at Mississippi State. So that is a, that to me is a very realistic expectation. You're, you should at the very minimum say you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. I think that is reasonable for Ole Miss as well. Mm-hmm. In a best-case scenario, you're hosting a regional, which means you're one of the 16 best teams in the country. But I think the kind of worst-case scenario that falls in line with a reasonable expectation is you're on the road for the postseason, mm-hmm. either as a low two seed or a high three seed or whatever. I mean... And last team in, whatever. Just get there. And for, and for Ole Miss, 
their their best possible starting rotation can't happen because two guys are out for the year, right? And in the best case scenario, Hunter Elliott Friday, Xavier Rivas Saturday, and then whoever oh, on yeah. Sunday. You don't have that this year for Ole Miss, so I mean you can almost give a little bit more leeway for Bianco. I I don't know if they will or not. State doesn't have that. I mean, State's their starting rotation is what it is. They don't have the big injury problems. They're missing a couple of guys, but nobody the caliber of the two guys I just mentioned for Ole Miss. Yeah. If you have a healthy Hunter Elliott and a healthy Xavier Rivas, That's then totally it completely different. changes your expectations for this Ole Miss team. Uh, yeah, there is I would, I would one tell thing. you to expect them to host. Yeah. I had a buddy that texted me this, and I actually agree with this. There is one issue. Ole Miss has not hosted a Super Regional since 2009. 2009 was the last time Ole Miss hosted a Super Regional. Wow. In 2014, first time they got to the College World Series, you remember that was on the road against Lafayette. Mm -hmm. Won in that Mm -hmm. Monday night game three. They went to a Super Regional in 2019, and in 2021... They lost at Arizona, won. right? Uh, yeah. 2019 was... Arkansas. At Arkansas. Lost game one, won game two, got blown out in game three. And then 2021, out in Tucson, lost game one, won game two, lost game three. And then, of course, in and 2022, then he at USM. Yeah. it's Miami and then Hattiesburg and then Omaha. Yeah, I mean, they were sputtering before 2022. There was, is discontent the right word? If they don't get a bone oh, thrown at them. It's, it's not a strong enough word, discontent. If, if they don't get a bone thrown at them by the committee, we're talking about somebody else right now. Yeah, you're right. But that but, didn't happen, and ultimately, you know, what did you do? Oh, well, again, carried a trophy off the field. Yeah. But, yeah, um, it's it's get back to the postseason. Realistic, attainable, even with injury stuff in Oxford, both of those things need to happen. Now, I, I'm that would be three years in a row in Starkville, so obviously a, a different decision would be made. But, yeah, that, that's got to happen. you got to get back in the postseason. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Glad to have you along on this Thursday afternoon. Grab some of your messages on the C Spire text line. Bubba in Starkville says, MSU and Ole Miss are, in my mind, blue blood programs. They should be in the top of the SEC most years. In other words, in the same conversation as Arkansas and LSU year in, year out. If that happens, the rest takes care of itself. And largely have been. Yeah. Uh, I agree with Haydad. Ole Miss and State should expect to make the tournament every year. You don't draw top numbers in attendance every year to lose. It's a reasonable point. Uh, how about nine, six, and three for both teams? Nine NCAA tournaments in 10 years, six hosts in 10 years, and three trips to Omaha in 10 years. I mean, that's, that's what you just said. I feel like that's very yeah. fair. And for Southern, it's not that different either, by the way. Just want to point really that out. Like, I expect Southern to be in the, in the NCAA tournament most years, and in 10 years, probably eight to nine years. Now, Super Regionals and Omaha, I might go back to, like, you know, three Super Regionals, and if they could get a trip to Omaha, that would be great. 
but certainly expect them to be contending for the Sun Belt title every season. Yeah. I, I would say for Southern Miss, seven out of ten years in the postseason and hosting three or four out of ten years, at least being in the conversation to host maybe four out of ten years. Another message here, state's expectations have to be super regional slash Omaha year in, year out. They've shown they can do that. Tim in Belmont says, I agree with Haydad in terms of the expectations for Mississippi State. Lucas in Union says, LSU must finish last and not make the SEC tournament or NCAA tournament. I don't make the rules. (laughs) These are the new rules for the reigning national champion. It's true. I accept your terms. I think we can all get on board with that, Lucas. No, nobody's. Can you imagine if that happens? You for that. At that point, you're like teams are going to Omaha and just tanking. It's like I, just, I don't want to risk it. W- w- would you trade? All right, David. Would you trade uh, here comes. the national championship trophy for two great but no trophy seasons in the the last two years? So they lose to Vanderbilt there in 2021, and then these next two years are just normal, typical Mississippi State baseball years. Is what you're get to one super regional and get bounced in three games. Get to Omaha and go one and two the other year. Would you take that over that national it's, championship trophy? I would keep the championship trophy, but it's really close because these last two years have been awful, and I think a third one's coming up. It it, it it would be, I mean, would I rather just be a top 10 program every year or be number one one year and then the last place team in the conference the next two? That's that's how you have to look at that. Yeah. It's tough. That is tough. Especially if we're talking about like, it's, it, it's entertainment. I disagree. Like, it's not I, tough. I'm not, inter- I disagree with you. It's it, it's not, this has not been fun these last two years. There's been I no understand. fun. I completely understand that it has not been fun the last two years. You forget how much fun it was. Being in that parade in Starkville, you forget how much fun it was watching Mississippi State dogpile at Charles Schwab Field fun. in Omaha. It was fun. That's my point, though. I have forgotten because these last two years have crushed those memories out of me. Mm. Look over at that picture you just got yesterday. Yeah, I know it's right there. There you go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. All the people that were agreeing with you about expectations are heartily disagreeing with you about that even being a close decision. It's close. Or number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Our text line popping on this Thursday afternoon. Bubba in Starkville. Uh, he says that based on State's current pitching staff, 
Chris Lamonis will not return. He said, I hope they can get it done, but I'm scared there are too many uh, missing pieces. Uh, Tell Haydad it would not be a difficult decision for him at all. Imagine if State had finished top ten the last three years, but Ole Miss had won a national championship. End of story. That plays a role for sure. Um, Benny in Starkville says it's better than always seeing the dogs come up short. I guess he's talking about getting that one title. Gibbon Greenwood says, I'm not trading the joy from that championship for anything. However, I would trade the baseball natty for a sugar bowl. Yeah. Not Not even a college football national title. Just the sugar bowl. I mean... Oh, that's blasphemy the day before. But yeah, yeah, winning the he's true. It's the truth. Winning the well, the the especially now the Sugar Bowl iteration. Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl now. Yeah, but up until this coming season, that answer is absolutely yes. If you're going to a bowl game and not the playoff anymore, uh-uh. uh uh. Somebody said that the standard that Richard sets for Ole Miss baseball and Bianco has not been met five to six times in supers over ten years, four trips to Omaha. Yeah, it took a while for it to get there, though. Uh, you you have to build to a point of expectation. I, I mean, you can be a victim of your own success sometimes, and, and that was uh, approaching being the issue for Mike Bianco. But what he took over now, you guys know this better than me. But from what I understand, what Old Miss baseball was from listening to enough people that have been there, covered it, lived it forever, was nothing compared to what he made it. And so, when you look at the first, what, decade or so of him building the program, it changed the expectations yeah. moving forward because of the monster Absolutely. that he created. Absolutely. I do think that that stretch, five, six, seven, of three straight Super Regionals with uh, all three of them at home, is that right? Wasn't there one at Arizona State? Third one was at Arizona State. That's right. 07 was at Arizona State. So 05 was home against Texas, 06 was home against Miami, and 07 was at Arizona State. That's right. Um, that stretch not getting there in any of those three years, and, and really it's 2005 that stands out the most among those. Although that 06 team was hot and they ran into a buzzsaw in Miami, but Ole Miss was the second-best team in the country in 2005, behind Texas. And I'll agree with that. I think what people forget is Ole Miss almost didn't face Texas in that Super Regional. Texas had to come back and beat Arkansas on a Monday in their regional just to get to the Super Regional. And it was an Arkansas team that Ole Miss had swept in Fayetteville at the end of the season – and maybe beaten once also in the SEC tournament. So there would have been a ton of confidence. But anyway, that's a long time in the past. Good grief, that's a long time ago. That's almost 20 years ago. <laughs> Getting old. Yeah. Borky, your point, though, about what Ole Miss baseball was pre-Mike Bianco is accurate. Oh, wow. Just lost. Did somebody turn the lights off, or did you guys just lose power? Dude, there's a ghost in here, because we have not lost power. But the lights just went out in the uh, in Studio X for you in the control room. 
I, I'm terrified I like, right now. I feel like he just turned and into they're George back. Norrie oh, there something. they go. They're back. Like you were ready to start talking about I think UFOs. That door shut. I think I, mean, I would have. I think I would have paid five hundred of my own dollars for the lights to come back on and like the nun to have been behind you or something at that moment, and we are all like, "Oh my God, get out of there!" I think that would have. I would have. I would have paid that money. The light switch is right there. The door is right there. I can see there. There's two windows. There's a window in here. Power didn't go out. Window that shows the hallway out there. Power didn't go out. Unless these lights in this studio are powered by something else than everything else in the office, a ghost is in here, and I'm going to die. Calm down. I know a young priest. We'll get an old priest. It'll be okay. Not all ghosts are out to kill you, though. I mean, it could have been Casper the Friendly Ghost floating around. If a ghost kills you, don't you immediately just like become a ghost and you're just sort of there with it and you're like, hey, why? If I'm not back when we come back, mm-hmm. we will uh, we will carry on your legacy. Please do. We'll, or, we'll, or I might just we'll introduce the Michael Borky Scholarship at Ole Miss. There's a church down the street. I might need to go go have some yeah. conversations. Oh, me. Luke Johnson will join us to start the 4 o'clock hour with him. We'll do a deep dive on Southern Miss baseball on the eve of the start of a new season with Luke coming up on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with you right after this. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Four o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Thanks for being with us this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort studio. We go to the Farm Bureau guest line to start things off here in the four o'clock hour. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Guys, I just saw something I've never seen before. I don't think I've ever seen Tiger Woods hit a cold shank. On 18, with an approach shot into the green, he just shanked it dead right. I can relate. If you play golf, you can relate. It's hard to see Tiger Woods do that. In in what has otherwise been a really good round. Anyway, uh, welcome back to our friend Luke Johnson. He has uh, crawled out of his study cave where he has been working. He is now officially a Ph.D. candidate. He has a dissertation remaining to becoming Dr. Luke Johnson, uh, but he's our pal. And uh, good to see you, man. Welcome back. Thanks a lot. Glad to be back. It's encouraging when Tiger Woods shanks. Uh, it's encouraging for all the rest of us. So, yeah, but I've been uh, been hiding in the study and uh, glad to be back with you guys. Just got back on the Eagle Hour this week. Yeah, good to be back or good to have you back. And uh, also... Uh, back just in time for the start of the uh, of the college baseball season. We, I just want to pick up where we left off in the last hour. We were talking about Ole Miss and Mississippi State expectations for this year. What bigger picture expectations be, should be as a program? And we were kind of looking at it in a ten year window. So, in your mind, for Southern Miss baseball that has had so much success over a really long period of time, 
What should those expectations be, Luke, in terms of, you know, getting to the postseason, hosting a regional, getting to a super regional, getting to the College World Series? Yeah, I mean, joining the new conference, you wonder if it if it uh, raises those expectations or makes those expectations, you know, somewhat easier to reach. Some belts a, a more difficult conference. At the same time, you're going to get more teams in. So, you know, 75% clip. So I guess you can't use 75. So, so seven out of eight years or seven out of 10 years, eight out of uh, 10 years getting to the postseason. Okay. Um, if you could host a regional four times out of that because you feel like the Sun Belt will have regional hosts every year. I think that would be tremendous. Um, you just, you're trying to measure that against back to back hosting back to back supers. So, you know, so somewhere you, you've got to come back down just a little bit, but at the same time, I don't think, uh, you know, three, three or f- three hosting, four hosting in 10 years with being yeah. in Sun Belt. I think that, that may be realistic. There's a lot of new this year with the uh, the Southern Miss baseball program, and it starts uh, it starts at the top with a new head coach, but not an unfamiliar face. Christian Ostrander, hey, he knows this team well. He knows this program well. So highly thought of in baseball circles, like big-picture baseball circles, but then at a more micro level, so highly thought of within the Southern Miss community. Yeah, we were joking the other day, you know, Hurston Waldrip was getting interviewed for the Braves and Southern Miss fans were like, ask him if he knows Christian Ostrander, you know? <laughs> so, you know, there's so much development that, that Oz has had. And he, you know, um, until really Southern Miss hosted, uh, you know, the regional with LSU a couple of years ago, people knew how good he was, but then he just became on the national spotlight and what he started putting out, uh, with that 22 staff and Southern Miss was, you know, thankful to, to grab him. I mean, it's, it's kind of public knowledge now. The transition happened, you know, over a year ago. Um, Scott Berry and Jeremy McClain and, and Oz, Hill Denson, you know, knew about that as well. And that's just how after the 22 season, I mean, that's how why he stayed in Hattiesburg because the transition plan was in place. And, uh, it, it's a place where he wants to be. Uh, of course, the success he had at Jones College and, and I think in a lot of ways, he's been some of the glue. Um, the last several years, um, just to Scott Barry had complete trust and what you've seen, the domination, you know, with Southern Miss pitching the last couple of years, last several years, it's just Oz. What's, how's it going to look different or will it? I think the reason why a team that hosted back to back supers is not in the top 25 and is not getting the looks. I just like, I crunched a little numbers. They lost 57% of their runs and home runs. They lost 55% of their RBIs. And that's Dickerson, Edsel, Lynch, Sargent, and, and the catchers. They lost 41% of their wins. That was just Hall and Storm alone. Hmm. 30% of their Ks were Hall and Storm. But then you look at the pitching staff and, and like, to be honest, uh, Richard, like if I read these stats to you, like if I told you this is Sunbelt rankings, Second in opponent batting average, third in strikeouts looking, fifth in fewest walks allowed, sixth in wins from last year. That's Billy Oldham, who's the Saturday starter. That that's not your Friday night guy. Yeah. And so while you did lose a lot offensively, there is reason to believe, there is hope that this might be the deepest pitching staff that they've had. I mean, um, but the, but the experience isn't there. The talent's there, depth wise. 
All right, so we got the pitching rotation earlier today. Nico Mazza going to throw game one on Friday. Billy Oldham will go on Saturday in game two. And then a transition from the bullpen for Cross Sibley. He did have one start last year, pitched in 26 games. Now, none of those three guys were exclusively starters. All three of the weekend starters this weekend were guys that did both, came out of the bullpen, started games. Just one, though, as I mentioned, for, for Sibley. What, what does that mean? Uh, what, what does that mean with this group, this rotation? Yeah, you feel like Mazza has the the stuff to be the Friday guy. I mean, he's 92 to 94. He's pushed up to 96, 97. Oldham slid into that rotation last year, was phenomenal in the regional. He was shutting out Tennessee in the game where they had the lightning delay and then they had to burn storms. So that – that really, really hurt. Oldham, you, you got a guy with Friday stuff in Mazda, and then you have a, a real pitcher's pitcher. Oldham doesn't top out very much, but his secondary pitches, and he can pitch to contact. They wanted a lefty in the lineup, I mean, in the rotation. So didn't know with getting Chandler Best back if that was going to be Chandler Best. But, you know, Sibley was a guy that was tremendous out of the bullpen. Um, his kind of unorthodox delivery um, keeps batters off off balance. And then, you know, in the super, he came in and he shut Tennessee out in uh, four and two thirds innings. So Oz wanted a lefty in, in, in the lineup. So you feel like, um, you got a real good chance for, for me, this rotation with Maz and Oldham, it's like a one, a one B because I feel like Billy Oldham might be a Friday guy with a lot of teams in the Sunbelt. All right, so you mentioned the losses offensively from a season ago. Uh, Dustin Dickerson led the team in hitting and was, what, fourth in home runs. You had a bunch of guys that hit a, bu- uh, hit a bunch of home runs. Um, Matthew Etzel gone. Um, Christopher Sargent gone. Danny Lynch gone, is that right? Or is Lynch back? Yeah, Danny Lynch is actually a graduate assistant on this team, though, so he's he's back not as a player, but he's back. So in terms of numbers, Slade Wilkes and his 20 home runs, is he the leader of this offense? He is. Um, you know, Peyto came on towards the middle of the year last year. He's back, so there, there's some power there. But, yeah, I would say Wilkes is, is probably as far as power, but, but the guy that I think is flying on the radar not only in the state but nationally is Nick Monastere. Uh, that, that is – he might possibly be the face of this team. Uh, they've moved him to center field, so he's no longer in the infield. Uh, a, a guy that's going to be really on base for them, he might bat in, in the two spot, is Nolan Tucker. He's a transfer from Valparaiso. I think he batted somewhere in the uh, the the, uh, the high threes or the mid threes. Ozzy Pratt comes in from BYU, originally from Oxford, played at Magnolia Heights. And uh, so they've got a completely new up-the-middle infield, but both of those guys are high um, percentage on, on base, replacing the entire infield. Uh, there, there, will, there will not be a, a returner in the infield. Um, but, yeah, I think the move to Monastery and center kind of allows him uh, to, to be his own guy out there. He's been tremendous in the scrimmages. But it will be interesting to see some of these new bats. A, a guy to watch is Davis Gillespie has a double-digit power. He could possibly be playing in left if Wilkes DHs, or he could be DH and if Wilkes goes to left. I know this is one of those questions that I ask, and it feels like a throwaway question, so forgive me, but in terms of, of excitement and buzz kind of leading into the start of a new year, 
How much is there, and how does it compare to recent seasons at the beginning of the year? Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, they they sold out again, Um, so people will be in the stands. Uh, I think people are extremely excited in a different way. You know, I think they're excited about the unknown. I think they know. Uh, we knew Oz was going was was you know everybody hoped that he'd be the head coach. So so what can he you know do now um, as the head coach? So there, there's not apprehension in that. I think there's excitement, and uh, I think there is a a sleeper sentiment that this might be, despite the inexperience talent wise, this might be one of the deepest Southern Miss teams that that they've had in quite some time. Well, and if that turns out to be the case, there could very well be baseball in June, whether it's in Hattiesburg or on the road somewhere. We'll uh, we'll wait and see. Get started uh, tomorrow, four o'clock, first pitch. So twenty four hours from right now, with Marist in town for the first of four games in four days. Luke, welcome back. Look forward to visiting with you on a, a regular basis. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You as well, Luke Johnson from the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Back with us, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. to catch up with Luke Johnson and talk some Southern Miss baseball. He joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We are joining you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us. Um, you... Heard just a, a second ago, Luke kind of lay out what he thought the um, the expectations should be for Southern Miss in kind of a ten year window, and he said seven eight trips to the postseason. I, mean, I would say seven. I think I would agree with, and he thought maybe hosting three or four times in a in a ten year window. Is that you kind of on board with that? You generally agree? Yeah. I can get on board with that, sure. Yeah. I thought his point about being jaded a little bit by hosting back-to-back Super Regionals maybe inflates a little bit what your expectation should be for hosting on a regular basis, but it's really not that much different from what Michael Borky was talking about earlier with Mike Bianco. And, you know, when, when you create a level of success – that level of success kind of becomes the expectation, mm-hmm. which is just tough. Yeah, and this is not pertaining to Luke at all. I've just an observation I've made uh, lately: the the concept of nuance, context, whatever the case may be, is completely lost on society today. Every issue, it can be political, it can be whatever you want, movies, TV shows, books, whatever you're talking about, sports. If you're discussing something, it is either this 
or this, and there is no in-between, and there's no room for a third option or anything like that. It's you either believe this, and if you don't believe that, that means you believe this, and it is done. Like, that no, is the no, end of no discussion. No room for gray, right? There, it's black None. or it's white, and there's there's nothing in between. Done. I don't agree with that at all. That is a ridiculous statement, and I can't believe you would make it. It's crazy. And I notice it a lot. I don't get into political commentary, but I follow it because, you know, I pay taxes and stuff like most people. And, buddy, it's if, – if you – don't like that, that must mean you like that. And it's like, well, how do you get there? It's, you are stretching your brain in ways that it just doesn't make sense. It's the old, uh, yeah, yeah, I like waffles. Oh, so you don't like pancakes? That's 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 yep. what it is. Exactly. That is exactly it. Prefer pancakes or waffles? Uh, waffles. Mm. Yeah, like I, I saw last night after Auburn beat the crap out of South Carolina, right? In Auburn Arena. Tough place to play. Which, real quick, I apologize to the guy who I said, yeah, that's a lot of points. I might take South Carolina. Just, I apologize, sir. I hope you didn't take my advice. That's chapter one of a new segment we're going to be running called Fade Dad. Fade Dad. And uh, you can, that, that's, we are we are now 1-0 and fading Hey Dad. But I saw one of these SEC accounts that, you know, how they just keep popping up, but they acquire, like, 50,000 followers overnight. It's unbelievable. And he said, is Auburn just that good, or did South Carolina get exposed as a fraud tonight? It's like, what? South Carolina went one loss means they're a fraud? Have you watched any other game that they've played this year? In in fairness, it wasn't just one. I mean, yes, it was just one loss, but it was by 40. It was. Bad night. Really bad night. But, like, how are those your only two options? Is Auburn that good or is South Carolina a fraud? What are you talking about? Auburn's lost this year too, brother. South Carolina's won this year too. They got handled by games. Florida Saturday. Yeah. Won by 40, but I mean, they were down, I think, close to 30 in that game at one point. Yeah, it's like, yeah you know, I, I think I think the phrase that I used on um on Monday was that Florida beat the donkey out of Auburn. I, yes. I don't know where that came from, but it's the way I described it. Yes, it was. It was. It was a blowout. Um, we saw there were some Ole Miss fans after the Kentucky game or during the Kentucky game that were like, "Oh, this is terrible." It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean this is terrible? You, your program has won two games in that building ever. It's a, like, you know, you don't celebrate losses, but. In year one of a new coach, losing at Rupp is not something you melt down over. Yeah. I just no room for context anymore. Uh, are, we are just so emotionally charged about everything that we just cannot relax about anything. For the record, by the way, I like French toast the best. Ooh. That's a hot take. Waffles. Nah. Waffles nah. and pancakes? Because yes, French toast. But you can do waffles are more versatile. I disagree. You can do anything you can do with a waffle. You can do with French toast, and you can stuff French toast. Have you had a fried chicken on top of a French toast? I've never done chicken and French toast. I've seen it at restaurants. Really? You do chicken, dude. You can do it on anything. You can do chicken and waffles, chicken and pancakes, True. chicken and whatever. I guess my answer is waffle, but I would put a caveat there. Borky, poll question. Yeah, send it out. Pancakes, uh, waffles, French toast. Well, that's fair. Um, 
But I would put a caveat on that. The the pancakes that Jane makes are different. So when I make pancakes, okay. I grab Bisquick. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it it's Bisquick and a little bit of oil and milk and, well, you put an egg in there, I think. I think Bisquick still, have to have, yeah. still has to have an egg. And they make good pancakes. Jane does, Jane does pancakes out of, like, what whatever flour and buttermilk and, like, she makes real pancakes. She's making homemade pancakes, and you're using a mix. Yes. Same thing people do with cakes sometimes. And what you're doing, I want to make sure, you, don't shame yourself. What you're doing, you are cooking pancakes. Don't no, don't no, think that you aren't. She's just going a level above you. Yeah. But she does it where, you know, she put a little oil in the pan where it soaks up just a little bit of the oil, and sometimes the edge of the pancake gets, like, just the little bittiest touch of crispiness, and those are divine. So I probably yeah, would go with those great. over a waffle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, my, my Bisquick pancakes are good, really good. Yeah, I have no doubt. So, anyway. I've made waffles once. I've never made pancakes. But, I mean, I made waffles. I, like, followed you, a recipe. You've never made pancakes? I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't bake. I, I don't like them. When you start getting flour and baking soda involved, that, that's, that's not my cup of tea. Why? I, I just, cause when I cook, I'm not like a follow the recipe guy. I'm just like, I just like to mess around and figure it out. And baking, man, you gotta be so specific with that stuff. You put a little bit yeah. too much of something or other, you end up with an explosion. So no, never, never made them. Why is this I'm so not, salty? I like to eat oh. breakfast. I don't, I don't, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It called for half a teaspoon, and I just decided to do it to taste straight out of the I like, shaker. I like salty food. Yeah. Have you at least I, uh, done the yeah, hotel I, waffles, I like though? Eat... You oh, waiting? yeah, yeah. dude. Well, they I... used to have those at the cafeteria here at State. Oh, nice. Yeah, you just go make make your waffle. Man, well, when I went to that engagement party in Nashville uh, back in December, they one of the, the drink offerings, and it was an open bar, I think Basil Hayden's? Um, I drank an entire yeah. bottle to myself, the bartender told me. I had a long night. Uh, Good grief, Borky. It was incredible. But th- that's over like five hours, though, including a big steak dinner. I think that's dinner. called a problem. No, it's a problem when you do it often. I only did it once. Yeah. Only once. It's fine. Anyway. It's fine. The, the next morning. Like, I might raise my eyebrows if you told me you had 12 beers. If you tell me you had 12 bourbons... Well, it was let six. Our boy, it was six. Let our boy have his time. Top. Okay, but again, it was over six like it was almost like six hours worth of of consuming with two meals, also in that time frame. But don't justify yourself to him. But, you did anyway, okay. It's one is, time. The next morning, obviously, I wasn't feeling great. They had a waffle maker at the hotel, and I was the only person down there at six thirty for breakfast. I ate five hotel waffles that morning. I had five of them. It was amazing. (laughs) I've never had five waffles. um, Five. I guess I've stayed in the same place a couple of times in College Station. And I don't think it's the only place. Um, The, you know, normally when you go downstairs in the hotel breakfast deal and you you just got a circle waffle maker, you pour the mix in and you get a waffle and it fills up the little plate Uh, in, uh, in College Station. The waffle is in the shape of Texas. Of course, I love it. it. I kind of do too. It's cool, but of course it is. That's right. I take it back. I may have eaten five waffles. We used to do a uh, pregame breakfast 
on football days, and it was an all-you-could-eat thing, and I just – This I is in high school? Off, man. So, yeah. 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 Back when my metabolism was much different. I had buddies my senior year. We did uh, we did breakfast out on Friday morning before school, before every football game at Smitty's. A little memory lane there okay. for some folks in Oxford. It's been a long time since I Smitty's. I was at Rowdy's for the people from Vicksburg. There you go. Then uh, an omelet, like a sausage, egg, and cheese omelet. Well, I guess the egg is kind of spoken. Kind of given. In the yeah. omelet. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Great to be with you this afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you in part by M Trade Park. Find them online at mtradepark.com. They've got a, uh, let's see, a fast pitch tournament happening, uh, happening this weekend. U Triple SA baseball next weekend. We have made it to tournament season. You got baseball, you got fast pitch, you got soccer that's about to be happening. On the regular, and M-Trade Park is hosting a ton of it. Be sure when you are helping plan the next weekend tournament for your team, your son or daughter's team, that uh, you're checking out the schedule at M-Trade Park. If you're going to play, play M-Trade, mtradepark.com. There was um, there was some news today. I don't know if you saw this, Hey, Hey, Morgan. Hit it, Borky. It's, it's got to be what he's talking about. It's got to be. I don't know if you saw this or not, hey, Deb. It's in the game. Yes, I did see it. Play it Tell again. Tell me more. Tell me more. Nobody talking nobody talk over it. Quiet. EA Sports. It's in the game. God, Is that Willie's? Oh, God. <laughs> he'd have a lot more money. He'd have, he'd have at least eight bedrooms in that house. If he if he was if he was the EA Sports guy, um, yeah, uh, they, they announced today. Yeah, I've been following that account for a while to the point where I had forgotten that I was following it. Then so I saw somebody retweet something. I was like, oh, there's an account, and I went and looked. I was like, you idiot, you you already uh, you already follow it. Uh, today they announced that they, they they had a teaser trailer, which you know I'll take what I can get. Uh, full reveal coming in May, and then coming this summer is the actual game. It appears our long national nightmare after 11 years is is almost over, and uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have an NCAA football game for our video gaming systems. Expected to launch when? Summer. Do you need specific days so you can go ahead and request that time off? Or I just ho- I just hope that it's not around SEC media days because 
I'm gonna be, well, I'm gonna have to figure something out then. Like, like what's in that second suitcase, hey Dad? It's my PS5. Hold on. If it launched while we were going to be at SEC Media Days, you would take your PS5 with you to Media Days. Not only I don't even know that I would need to. My guess is EA would just come to Media Days and have a booth set up, and we could all be playing each other. That might be wishful thinking. You don't think they want to have that kind of publicity? All so, the so all the college football media is right there. You would you would bail on all of the evening activities of media days, and just when the show ends, you would go to your room and you would play until oh, two in the morning. I, my friend, the evening activities of media days would be people playing this game. We would be people piling into others other rooms and, and and playing and just like just go get some beer and, and we'll order some pizza and we're good. We don't need to go out. It'd be like college all over again. Don't you owe me a dinner? No, you owe me a dinner. I owe you a hundred bucks. What do I owe you a dinner for? I had Ole Miss plus seven. I had Mississippi State plus seventeen and a half in the Egg Bowl, mm. or whatever it is you gave me. They won. I know. I know. I didn't have nine and a half. So, okay. Um, no, that's that's huge, though. And it, it, like you know, people that yeah, don't touch video games, don't talk about it, what, what, or, or anything. He's talking down to us. I don't know. You you think it's you know a product of whatever evils that are. Bringing the world. This is big for college football. Madden, for example, if you if you talk to or listen to NFL historians, especially right around uh, when he when he passed, the way they describe what that video game did to the popularity of the sport will happen again to college football. Young people who do not watch. Because young people, they don't like sit down and watch four hours of sports. This is not what they do. They're texting their girlfriends. They're on TikTok or whatever. This will create a scenario in which young people are engaging with college football. And young people engaging with college football is good for college football. It's not the same popularity level as Madden, of course, but it will have the Madden effect on the sport. That's a good thing. As you talk, I'm trying to decide if I agree with you or if that's the greatest, most well-thought-out spin I've ever heard to justify long-term playing of video games. I mean, there there's a direct correlation between the Madden video game and popularity in the NFL. So if you want to call that... You want to call backed data like... Spin, then sure, but you can't argue with numbers. That's the beauty of numbers. I, there's, a, I, there's a direct I don't need correlation. A hold on, hold on. There's a direct correlation between the success of Madden and the growth of the popularity of NFL. Not, it's not exclusive to Madden, but Madden aided the growth. Absolutely, it is backed, like by numbers. You can read all about it if you want to. Or maybe the NFL is growing and people decided to play the video game because. It was another. See, I don't need any see, spin. What you're doing is you're doing the either or thing. I don't need any justification. Thing. You're doing the either or thing I right just, now. I just, you know, I'm a taxpayer. I have a job. In my free time, I like to play video games. I don't. I don't. I don't have to. I don't have to justify anything. I'm an American. No, nor do I begrudge you that. 
It's do you not? No, I don't. I, I, I really don't. It, I think it is. I think it's one of your quirks. I'm not alone on this one, though. And a lot of people. I am aware. As you can see from the interaction that one post uh, got, everybody's like, it's time. It's time to start, you know. There there are some people who tonight broke out 13 and 14 and started dusting off the old, you know, just trying to get back in the, in, in the groove of things. This is a great idea from Jeff, by the way. We don't need to call it NCAA football anymore, first of all. The NCAA is getting sued into oblivion by everybody. They will soon not be the governing body. But we've got Madden for the NFL. We need Corso for the college football game. The first college football game on Sega was Bill Walsh college football. It wasn't called NCAA football. We Corso's college football 94 and 95. Why? Yeah. And then it just becomes Corso. Yeah. You, You bought Corso 26 yet? Yeah, I'm. I'm so. That, that for, is a. That's a great way for his legacy to last forever, too. Yep. Because I mean, you get a Corsa nowadays. People Corsa. I think. I think Saban is going to be the first cover. I think they won't go with a player. They may. They may go with Saban as the first cover. <laughs> they're afraid they'd have to pay a player too much. Probably. I mean, they're they gonna have to pay, but yeah, I mean, that's pay Saban too. But you know, this is what it is. Uh, I don't know who they. I mean, like I, I've said that my, my my player choice is Quinn Ewers. I think he's the highest profile returning college football player next year. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I think that there might be a name that you're not thinking of that might get it, and it's going to make a lot of people mad. Shador Sanders. That's a, that's actually a really good choice, but I I, I see where you're coming from. I think yours. I mean, he is the starting quarterback for the University of Texas. That's about as high profile as you can get. He is. But Sanders is a good choice. Somebody said they're hearing that it will not have NCAA in the title. Good. It shouldn't. Doesn't well, deserve it. Yeah, what if you just call it college? Football? I mean, if you which somebody else pointed if out. You, if you, yeah, if you look at this thing, it it just says EA Sports College Football Twenty Five. I'm just calling it NCAA because that's what it was. Yeah. So, yeah, college football 25. Because they don't have to go through them to license anything anymore. Right. Exactly. More likely to put Shadur on the cover or Dion on the cover? Shadur. They've always done a player. Do you go, do you go the Aflac route and get Saban and Dion on there? Uh, somebody said, how will yours feel if it's Manning that is on the cover? <laughs> I don't have any action shots of him, though. Uh, he played a little bit. I guess. I mean, like, they can't build that out and create that. Yeah. All right. I knew that uh, I knew that, that this, this became a happy day for you when you saw that. It was really cool. It looked really detailed. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I've been waiting for 10 years. I guess this shows how little I know. Um Xbox or PS5 or both, or do we know? Or It'll be on both. Yeah, all of it. Okay. Xbox, I guess it's Xbox One now and, and PS5. Okay. I assume even people with PCs will be able to as well. Yeah, PC will have it too, yeah, for sure. I'm actually interested to see. So Obi, you know, a year ago got Xbox for Christmas, and he plays it a lot. I mean, he and his buddies, they play Fortnite all the time. He's got some sports games on there, doesn't really play. 
I'll be interested to see if his age group, so he's like 11, I guess he'll be 12 when it comes out, or almost 12, if all of his buddies are going to pick this up and that'll turn into their thing. Let's go, let's go. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Genesis Invitational at Riviera Golf Club in Los Angeles. Patrick Cantlay has a first-round clubhouse lead, seven under par. You got the uh, return or the debut this year of Tiger Woods. He finished at uh, plus one. Got a little uh, little squirrely for him on 18. Made a great punch shot through the trees. Got it onto the green. Two-putted for a bogey on 18. Uh, come on, man. Let's make the weekend. Don't you know the folks at Golf Channel and I don't know if it's CBS or NBC this weekend are, I think it's NBC, desperately hoping Tiger can go shoot three or four under tomorrow? I think it's top, top 50 and anyone within 10 shots of the lead is the cut line this weekend. Speaking of golf, we have come to the end of an era. And uh, he's picked out a landing spot that is a good 25 feet above the hole. There's a good chance he doesn't get this inside the Marcos ball. First 2005 at the Masters, Tiger Woods with the improbable chip in on Sunday at 16. If you've seen it in person, you know how impossible that chip is. Even on television, it's a really, really difficult chip shot. Just one of the iconic calls from Vern Lundquist, of course, he had the uh, the 1986 call of yes sir when Jack made the putt on 16 as well. Just so many great moments and the voice of a generation of college football and not just college football, but of the SEC on CBS. He worked for ABC from 1974 to 81, CBS from 82 to 95, went to TNT for three years. Then back to CBS in 1998 and uh, became the voice of uh, our Saturday afternoons from 1998 until just a couple of uh, seasons ago. The great Vern Lundquist announced that this year, in his 40th year as a broadcaster for the Masters Tournament, he will be hanging it up. This is it. One last time with Uncle Vern in the tower at 16. It's a shame. I understand it. I respect it. Well, when it's your time, it's your time. But it's a shame. 
I I mean, I love that tournament more than maybe any other sporting event, possibly any other sporting event. And every time they cut to 16, you hear that voice and that iconic voice, and it, like, comforts you. That's why he got the nickname Uncle Vern. I mean, he's just the, – the way he calls it, too. And I was looking through highlights all day trying to find more uh, to play here and – what I love about him is how minimalistic he was calling golf. Said yes. very little because Augusta and the Masters and the shots don't really need all that much. Like Louis Oosthuizen had a hole in one where on 16 where that big slope, his ball's coming down, hits his playing partner's ball, and because he his ball hit the other one, it went into the hole. He didn't say anything except for nine ball corner pocket. That's it. And it's just a beautiful call because you didn't need to hear anything else and just added that little thing in there, and it was perfect. And, you know, I can't play that for you because it's a minute long, and he says four words, but but that's what made him so good at calling the Masters. You don't need much. You just need enough, and he was just enough. The 1986 call of Jack was one of the all-time memorable ones. Um this maybe yes sir That's it that's it three words maybe yes sir 1992 There's the pass to Leitner puts it up yes Kentucky Duke, Christian Leitner, you know immediately. Um, I had forgotten that in three straight Winter Olympics, he called figure skating. Vern Lundquist on figure skating. We need to get Vern back on figure skating. Who's the uh, who's that interesting uh, character that does the uh, the color commentary? Johnny Weir. We need to get Vern Lundquist next to Johnny Weir calling calling some of the. He was on the call for 11 seed George Mason over number one seed UConn to take George Mason to the Elite Eight. Uh, so many memorable SEC football games. So many. Vern Lundquist, one of the all-time greats, hanging it up after the Masters this year. We'll be right back. Five o'clock hour coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. I'm Richard Cross. Pearl River Resort is the home of entertainment. We've got lots and lots of stuff that's coming up this spring and into the summer. Go to PearlRiverResort.com, click on the events tab and see those live events. That are coming up soon. You can buy tickets online as well for the events that he'll still have tickets available. 
excuse me, PearlRiverResort.com. Check them out. Richard Cross, I already introduced us. Don't have to do that again. We're glad to be with you. Hey, Dad's worthy of two introductions. It's true. That was Brian Haydad, and you heard Michael Bork, uh, Borky's voice before. Um, Michael Borky's voice coming in. I know you don't listen. Neither happened. of you listen to Kill Tony. It almost uh, happened. But the the way that William Montgomery is introduced on that show is what we need for Brian Haydad. I, I'll send you a clip, Haydad, if I think about it, so you know what I'm talking about. That's what we need for Haydad. Okay. Is, is he made to look like a fool? No, no. It, it's he, he's the closer of a two-hour-long show, and, and oh. he, he's introduced accordingly. Is that what I am? I'm the closer. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? The most important okay. piece. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't agree with that statement. My neighbor thinks that you are the only piece, and one of my very good friends yeah. thinks that you are a piece of. You know. All right. Okay. <laughs> Opinions All vary. Right. Well, sh- shout out to that guy. Uh, that as you, I buddy. was saying, the C Spire text Sport. line is open, 601-879-4395. Do you know about Connect and Protect from C Spire? It's a service that they offer to you, especially if you're a parent, to make sure that your kids are safe with their phones and safe online. Parental controls available and the guidance on how to use them. Really, really important stuff. Good stuff from Ceasefire. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire is customer inspired. Mike checks in with us from uh, Honolulu. Looks like he is at the Pearl River. Uh... Sorry. <laughs> he is at the Pearl Harbor Memorial. You'll just have to forgive me. I say Pearl River Resort a lot. <laughs> uh, hey, Mike. Uh, your Mike, your next trip to in. Pearl River Resort will be a date that lives in infamy. I uh, hope you're enjoying uh, Hawaii. All right, let's just do a little college football fix. <laughs> College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best selling trucks are built Ford Tough. It's Truck Month! Great savings and great options for you at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. I mean, I caught the mistake myself. You didn't even have to correct me. No, it's just so. I mean, I had no idea the Pearl River was such a wide body of water. That is, I didn't know. So, Borky, what's on the docket for the college football fix? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this is actually Haydad's idea. So, the coaching carousel is in fact not done because. Georgia State's head coach, Sean Elliott, went back to South Carolina to be an assistant, not a coordinator, just an assistant. Now, as an aside, I learned this today. One, it wasn't going particularly well lately for him, but he was previously an assistant at South Carolina, remember the interim head coach, beat the Citadel, all that stuff. 
uh, after Spurrier left. His family stayed in Columbia, and he had been driving back and forth from Atlanta to Columbia to be with his family and, and go to his kids' games and and stuff like that. So the immediate reaction to him leaving was, oh, here's another one. His situation, obviously, uh, a lot more nuanced uh, than that. I think anybody can wrap their mind around wanting to be closer uh, to your wife and children, uh, especially not a three-hour one-way drive being what you have to do uh, on a weekly basis. So despite that job being open, the rest of them have been filled. And by the way, he did a good job at Georgia State. He took them to five bowl games. Yeah, and a young program. Not even two decades old, right? Yeah, it's new. It's like it 15, 16 years old. So, yeah, very, very new. But there was uh, a little bit of unrest there, possibly uh, maybe after this season uh, they were going to go in a different direction anyway. So kind of win, 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 even though the timing of it is terrible because they started spring practice already. But still. All the other jobs have been filled, and Hey Dad's buddy, Brandon Marcello, graded them. Okay. So, the grades, these are on uh, programs that made new hires this year during the offseason. And pretty, pretty good grades. Alabama, Kalen DeBoer gets an A. Now, that seems perfectly reasonable. Guy just coached Washington in a national championship game and and has been on the ascent. You know, has done a, a really, really good job over the last handful of seasons at multiple jobs. He gets an A. And he was the hottest sure. name that was out there that was possibly willing to move. So, um, Arizona. They hire Brent Brennan away from San Jose State. Brandon Marcillo gives this a, a B minus. My only question I... for Brandon would be but what else could Arizona have done? Have you seen the mess they've got at Arizona? They're in a mess. There's no question about that. But at the same time, this is a guy, they hired him because he's an alum, and he, I guess that's why he would come. But, I mean, he's career 14 games under 500. This is a team that, that went won 10 games last year, and everybody thinks they're a potential, that a lot of people think they have a potential to be a playoff team this year with what they bring back. And they hired a coach who has a lifetime losing record. He also has taken San Jose State to a bowl game in three of the last four seasons. Yes. And that is inarguably one of the hardest football jobs in the country. They were a perennial doormat prior to, what, a decade ago? Um, Boise State. They hire Spencer Danielson. He was their defensive coordinator. Gives that one a C plus. I've listened to a couple of interviews that uh, Spencer Danielson has done. He's pretty impressive when you listen to him. And if, as was predicted in those way too early playoff scenarios yesterday, had a couple of folks that predicted Boise State in the playoff, in a 12-team playoff, you're going to go back and adjust that grade if 
He gets them to the playoff in year one? Got to. And by the way, how about the job that he did in the interim role to get the job in the first place? They canned Andy Avalos. He comes in, they go on a win streak, and they end up winning the conference. Or at least getting to the conference championship game. Uh, Boston College. B-plus for Bill O'Brien. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. Boston College, and you got a guy who's been an offensive coordinator at Alabama, was going to be at Ohio State, and has been a former head coach at Penn State and in the NFL. I can't imagine Boston College getting a guy with a much better resume than Bill O'Brien. Yeah, Boston College hired a guy that is a four-time division-winning NFL head coach. That's a pretty darn good yeah, hire. In, rea- in reality, that's an A-plus hire. Who on earth could Boston College have gotten realistically that that's better than Bill O'Brien? I don't think Bill O'Brien's a great offensive coordinator, but who could Boston College have gotten that would have been better? Nobody with that resume. And and Marcella writes that Boston College made the biggest splash hire possible by hiring O'Brien. But he started that sentence off by saying, for his latest in the process, it happened. I, I mean, if it had happened a month earlier and they had gotten Bill O'Brien, would that make it a better hire? If it had happened a month earlier, could they have hired anybody better than Bill O'Brien? I kind of agree with you guys on this. Uh, Buffalo hired Pete Limbo, who was the special teams coordinator at South Carolina. Gave that one a C-plus grade. Okay. Duke hired Manny Diaz. Let's talk about that one when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. We'll be, uh, I don't know, like bottom of the fourth inning in Hattiesburg and Starkville by this time tomorrow, about an hour and 15 minutes or so into uh, into baseball season. But right now we're looking at the football hires as we wrapped up the college football fix, but just kind of continuing this article. Grades for teams that hired coaches during the offseason. Duke hires Penn State coordinator, uh, defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz. And that gets a B. Why does that, does that get a B? Eh. It's fine? Uh, yeah, it feels like... But, but it's, is B fine? B feels like, a, yeah, you did good. It's like that's a C plus. Oh, you don't like that. You get something against Manny Diaz? I mean, I'm just not... Not personally, no, but I mean, I just don't think he's a 
great head coach. Was just okay at a school in the same conference that has a lot more ability to win than Duke. It feels like there's a Muschamp thing going on there. Yeah. Like Muschamp couldn't win at Florida, but maybe he can win at South Carolina. And now we're going to say, well, Diaz couldn't win at Miami, but maybe he can win at Duke. You know, you, you give a coach a harder job, it's, it's reasonable to not expect as much success. What grade do you give his hair? That's an A, oh, right? A plus. It's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, Houston hiring Willie Fritz. Brandon Marcello gave this hire an A. Both of you guys are a little tepid on Willie Fritz. I'm tepid. Not necessarily tepid because he won the Cotton Bowl, beat Caleb Williams with yeah. Tulane. But it hasn't always been like that for him at Tulane. The other thing to consider is tepid about him coming to Mississippi State and being a head coach in the SEC. Being the head coach at Houston, maybe a, a little bit easier job. Had guys that have won there. Yeah. Kurt Signetti at Indiana. This uh, this hire gets an A. Yeah, this is an A-plus hire. Yeah, it's a great one. He writes, Signetti is not afraid to rustle feathers or challenge the big boys even before coaching a single game at Indiana. Quote, I don't take a backseat to anybody and don't plan on starting now. Purdue sucks, but so does Michigan and Ohio State. He cut a That's what he told there. Indiana fans during a basketball game at Assembly Hall back in December. Imagine if Levy came out and said that. Mm. The fan base you know, would have hey, loved You know what else he said in December? I win. Mm. Google me. There you go. And he does. Google, Google he is does correct. He does. So if you're Indiana, I mean, you know, some programs at that level are, are doing... Like Syracuse hired a Georgia staffer. Go get somebody from the best. Makes sense. And they're recruiting really well. And then you look at programs, not to necessarily compare these two, because one is better than the other, thanks to Bill Snyder, but what did Kansas State do? They didn't go get the top D.C. from Alabama or somewhere. They just hired a guy that's just winning. And that's all he's doing is winning. And yes, he's winning at North Dakota State, but he's winning. And so hire him, and he will figure out how to win because that's all he knows how to do. And sure enough, Kansas State is winning, and they're formidable, and they could be a playoff team this year. Signetti, 13 years as a head coach, never had a losing season. He's a winner. I win. Google me. He just wins. And so you're Indiana, right? You're never going to recruit with Ohio State and Michigan. You didn't hire an alum that just has passion for Bloomington. You hired a winner. He'll figure it out. Uh, I was going to skip over this. I won't, though, because I know Kelso loves it so much. Uh, James Madison hired Bob Chesney, who was at Holy Cross. It's a B-plus hire. Said uh, Chesney may have been a hot name for the Boston College job if it had come open in December, and for good reason. He is a winner. Won five straight Patriot League titles, leading Holy Cross, where he was a two-time finalist for the Eddie Robinson Award which is for the uh, the best coach in the FCS. I remember when I was getting ready for the South Dakota State game, 
against uh, Mercer. Mercer's coach talked about what was happening at Holy Cross as evidence that Mercer could continue to grow as an FCS program. I thought that was interesting praise from another coach at that level. Says what other coaches thought of him. Um, Middle Tennessee hiring Derek Mason. Gave that a C. Yeah. It's being nice. Rick Stockstill. Couldn't really do anything at Vanderbilt. He was at Middle Tennessee for 18 years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have no I got no idea if that works at all. No clue. I mean, what a what a weird ride for Derek Mason, right? So from defensive coordinator at Stanford to head coach at Vanderbilt to defensive coordinator at Auburn to defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State to television for one year. Mm-hmm. It was not. Can we get Deuce back? Yeah, thanks. Um, to Middle Tennessee State as the head coach. Sharon Moore at Michigan. Marcelo gives him a B plus. I feel like people have kind of gone Ohio with State the, last year. He did. He did. A lot of people were like, "Oh, this was the only choice for Michigan." And I know it's what I know it's what Jim Harbaugh wanted, and I know it's what the players wanted at Michigan. And maybe this works out. Maybe it turns out to be a great hire at Michigan. But Michigan is one of the best jobs in college football. Michigan could have gone and gotten a, a, a proven head coach. They could have gotten Lance Leopold or Chris Kleiman or Brian Kelly or whoever they wanted. That's Michigan. They could have done that. But they didn't. They went with Sharon Moore. And so now we'll see. We'll see how it works out for Ward Manuel and, uh, and Michigan. You talk about a program that moved fast and moved early and got it done and has thanked their lucky stars ever since the contract was signed. Michigan State hiring Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. Do you know how many jobs Jonathan Smith could have been offered in this cycle? Yeah. Michigan. There's a realistic Michigan. There's a realistic world where... He gets offered the Alabama job. Yeah. Maybe not over DeBoer, but if DeBoer is, is, is iffy, he might yeah. have been the next guy on the list. Michigan State may have jumped ahead of the line for Smith when it quickly pursued the coach in December. Smith seemed like an instant hire if UCLA had opted to fire Chip Kelly in November. That didn't happen, and Smith moved to East Lansing. Yeah, he got a better job anyway. UCLA man is is a disaster. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, but that's a that's an unserious program right now. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about the Florida thing either. Michigan State cares. They care. Yeah, they care. They care. Buddy, they had. I mean, they had their coach in the top ten salary earner in the country. They care. That's right. All right. We'll get to the Florida thing. Let's finish this up. Jeff Levy, Mississippi State. Marcello gives this one a B plus. He says Mississippi State absolutely 
had to hire a cunning offensive mind as head coach, and the Bulldogs did just that with Levy. The Oklahoma offensive coordinator and former Ole Miss play caller will certainly spice up the Egg Bowl rivalry against his old friend Lane Kiffin. Anything yeah, will be with, better with than a terrible one-year experiment with Zach Arnett, who won one SEC game and single-handedly destroyed a high-flying offense he inherited from Mike Leach in less than one season, averaging 12.6 per game. How did he describe the offense under Mike Leach? How did he? How was that described? High-flying. High-flying? Revisionist Did's, history. Did I'm about to say, that's some revisionist history happening there. There's been yeah, a God lot of soul, but revisionist history lately about that and the Arnett era as well lately. Wow. Not that it wasn't bad and they didn't everything, make the right decision. They did. That's not prior, what I'm saying. Prior to that sentence, everything he said is true. They, they said it had to go offense, and Levy was, was the guy for that. I think they it wasn't their first choice, but they ended up with, a, I, I feel like, a good coach. I only mention this because of the poor grade. New Mexico State hiring Tony Sanchez got a, a D from Brandon Marcello. He was the wide receivers coach at New Mexico State when Jerry Kill stepped down. He was 20 and 40 in five years as the head coach at UNLV. And he gave Northwestern an A for hiring David Braun. It was the only choice. It was an easy choice for Northwestern with the job he did in a really difficult circumstance this year. We'll be right back. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. It is truck month, which means great deals. Ford truck month, great deals at Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Big selection of F-150s. A couple of Super Duties on the lot. The uh, 2024 Super Duty, which has traditionally been known as the F-250, is the uh, North America Truck of the Year. And uh, for the 47th straight year, F-Series, the number one selling truck in America. Belk Ford will help you get the best financing options, and they've got a great selection to choose from right now. A bunch of different trim levels, really a ton of good stuff right now at Belk Ford. Also a good used car selection and service after the sale. We probably don't talk about that enough. Their maintenance department is spectacular. Whether you need new tires or you need your tires rotated, whether it's an oil change or something that's more complicated. When that pesky engine light, check engine light, comes on, and you have no idea what it means. I just hook a computer up to it. They tell you what it means, and they uh, get it fixed for you very, very quickly. Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Stop by and see them and tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, I lost track of how many coaches were hired during this offseason. A lot. Borky on our rundown just had kind of some highlights, and I just kept scrolling through this story. And you've got um, you got Trent Bray now at Oregon State, who was the defensive coordinator, and Sean Lewis at San Diego State, who Deion Sanders fired in the middle of the season at Colorado as their offensive coordinator, 
and Ken Niamatololo is back in the game now at San Diego State, and Major Applewhite is now at South Alabama, and Fran Brown is now at Syracuse. He was the defensive backs coach at Georgia. Of course, Mike Elko at Texas A&M, and Gerard Parker goes to Troy. He was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. John Sumrall goes from Troy to Tulane. Big step for him. Um, UCLA hires somebody quickly, as they said they would. They get Deshaun Foster, who had been at UCLA, had recently left to go to the Raiders to be their running backs coach, and now he's headed back to Westwood. Are they going to commit to the football program? Who knows? Familiar name here in the state of Mississippi. You remember when Scotty Walden was at Southern Miss for a little while? He's now at Austin P. Uh, or I'm sorry, he just left Austin P to take the head coaching job at UTEP. They're hoping his ties in the state of Texas are going to be good because UTEP has had 43 losing seasons in the last 50 years. Ugh, man. It's tough. Jed Fish goes from Arizona to Washington. Jay Sawvell was the defensive coordinator at Wyoming. He was elevated to head coach after Craig Bowl retired. So those are all the coaching changes that happened this year during the offseason. Borky, you mentioned the Florida story. Yeah. And we remember the craziness from a year ago with the, I think it was called the Gator Collective. I think that's what it was called. Eh, maybe not. But whatever the name of the collective was. With um, oh, the quarterback that went to Arizona State. He Rashada. Uh, Jaden Rashada. Goes to Arizona State, plays some. Was not bad this year as a freshman. Ended up getting hurt. We'll see how it plays out with him. But that was kind of a glimpse behind the curtain of a mess when it comes to the collective. And so Florida has gone out and they have hired a new executive director for a new collective, and they're trying to get organized and trying to pull it all together. But the interest, it appears, is not what it needs to be in terms of people donating to the Gators Collective for them to feel super confident about where they are going forward. They've got a mess right now in Gainesville with a ridiculously hard schedule coming up this season for Billy Napier. Borky, you said something a few weeks ago. I, I maybe we were talking about Kiffin possibly leaving, but that coaches going forward, their first question out of their mouth is going to be, what is your collective? Mm-hmm. It's going to be the first thing they ask before they, they entertain any job. And if you can't give them a satisfactory answer, then you just hang up the phone at that point. And, and with Florida, that's the case. Now, I saw some Florida message boards, and they were all saying the same thing. They were just like, the reason the collective's low is because nobody believes in Billy Napier. Once you fire him, the money will start flowing in. I don't necessarily know that I believe that. It's one of those things that you've got to you got to have that money regardless, you, because you can't promise that. Oh yeah, well now that you're here, they're going to start. You know, but I don't know. It it just goes to show, and, and still, I mean, we we talk about it till we're blue in the face. It it is very obvious that. College football fans and media at large have not caught up to the new reality yet. And you can love it. You can think it's great. Frankly, Ole Miss fans should really love the current state of college football, if we're being honest. Uh, But you can love it, hate it, somewhere in between. Indifference doesn't matter. The point is, 
if you are comparing jobs or programs and you mention something prior to 2021, you're losing. Well, we had a championship. Like when somebody wants to argue with you right now about whether or not Ole Miss is a better job than Florida. Today, Ole Miss is a better job than Florida. Yep. And if you want to argue that, you cannot mention anything prior to 2021. If you do, it's out the window. Tradition, history, whatever, it's gone. It does not matter. Who's your coach, and how much will you pay me? Because we've seen some guys go places with with less money to play for a particular coach. Alabama got a ton of hometown discounts because guys wanted to go play for Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. And it's true. What was it? Dijon Anthony for Ole Miss admitted out loud, hey, I, I got uh, an offer, a bigger offer to go somewhere else, but I didn't, you know, I, I didn't like the coach. I wasn't going to win there. Wanted to go somewhere where I would win. They offered me a little bit less, but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. So that that phenomenon still happens. Who's your coach? How much money will you give me? That's why Syracuse is recruiting well. That's why Louisville is recruiting well. That that's why you're seeing Missouri, Ole Miss on the number one portal class. That's why this is happening, and people aren't catching up to that reality yet. Well, and I hear I hear it all the time. Well, it's Florida. Okay. Florida's broke right now. They're they're broke right now. Tim Tebow's existence doesn't matter today. And to your point, if Georgia was not as committed as it is in the NIL game, they would not still be recruiting at the level that they are currently recruiting. If Texas was not as locked in as it is to NIL to paying players, then Sark wouldn't be recruiting at the level that he's recruiting. What you just said about Nick Saban, it may be the last example of that. Now, again, based on situations, you might see a guy take a little bit less than he's offered somewhere else because he wants to be at a place that he thinks he can win. But when we say a little bit less, we're not talking about half. We're not talking about a third. We're not talking about a quarter. We're talking about taking 160 instead of 185. Right. Taking 75 instead of 85. Yeah, whatever the numbers may be. You understand the the concept. And is it sustainable? I don't know. Like, that's the question that's come up over and over and over and over. Well, we'll see. Yeah, college football's changing. It's not going to look exactly the same two, three, four, five years from now as it does right now. But that doesn't matter. What matters is right now. Could Florida become, once again, a better job than Ole Miss? Sure. But not without a robust and engaged fan base donating to its collective. And right now they don't have that because con- this conversation always goes back to Kiffin, right? It always goes back to Kiffin. It does. If, I mean, Bill, if, if Florida struggles and they fire Billy Napier, his name's going to be number one on every single hot board. But but right now, today, it's he's not okay. leaving. It's not happening. He, he, he won't take the Florida job. And people out there are rolling their eyes right now, but trust me, he wouldn't. If it was, it was 2017, different story. It's not 2017 anymore. I'll say this also. 
Jeff Levy may be the best offensive mind in football. Maybe so. Don't know. Not arguing that one way or the other. But let's say that he is the best offensive mind in all of football. Mississippi State winning at an elite level, Mississippi State being a contender for the college football playoff, has very little to do with Jeff Levy's offensive acumen and more to do with how committed they are going to be going forward in the NIL space. If Mississippi State really steps up and is really organized and has a big old war chest and Jeff Levy can show that offensive acumen, State will be just fine. They'll be in the mix. And if it's just kind of kind of enough, then they'll just be kind of average. Hey, Dad, is that crazy? You you agree with that? There's nothing crazy about what you just said. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up coming up next. What we're going to do right here is go back. Now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Last time with you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us. Mentioned it briefly earlier today. Two finals last night in SEC basketball. Tennessee went to Fayetteville, and what was a close game at halftime turned into a rout at the sec- in the second half. Tennessee was up 46-40 at the half. The Vols ended up winning the game 92-63, and so the beat goes on at Arkansas. 12-12 overall, 3-8 now in SEC play. And it doesn't get any easier for the Razorbacks as they head to Starkville on Saturday. Uh, And the other was Auburn winning 101-61 over South Carolina. A 12-point halftime lead, a 28-point second-half margin, a 40-point win for the Auburn Tigers last night over a really good South Carolina team. Colin Murray Boyles, the outstanding freshman, played well for South Carolina. He had 19 points and seven rebounds. B.J. Mack had 14. Michi Johnson had 22 to lead South Carolina. Outside of that... Uh, not much. Meanwhile, Auburn got 21 from Janai Broom, 23 from Jalen Williams, 11 from Trey Donaldson, uh, 10 from Chad Baker-Mazzara off the bench, Katie Johnson scored 9, and a bunch of other guys scored also. Without overreacting to that result in either direction, South Carolina, not 40 points worse than Auburn. Auburn, not 40 points better than South Carolina. But does this say anything to you about Auburn as we get closer to March? 
Eh. Or is it just a one-off? I mean, I think it's just a one-off. They just Auburn just got hammered this weekend by uh, by by Florida. Um, Alabama got hammered by Tennessee on on, on the road. Uh, Mississippi State got hammered by Alabama. I think Mississippi State's a tournament team, but they went to Alabama and got crushed there. Sometimes you just have a bad night. And and this is probably what that is. I'll, I will miss at Auburn. Same thing. Auburn Big. having bigs that can stretch the floor, though. I mean, they had an abnormally good shooting night last night, but that is so frustrating. In a good way for Auburn, if you're an Auburn fan out there, congrats to you, but... Goodness gracious! I mean, having I mean, Janai Broom's shooting like thirty six percent from three, and and that I mean, just the space that creates it's yeah. it sucks for everybody else that he can do that. Pretty good weekend of basketball coming up. A and M is at Alabama. That's an early game. Uh, Eleven a.m. tip off. Florida is at Georgia. Florida's playing really good basketball right now. They're now seven and four in the league. Arkansas is at Mississippi State. One o'clock tip for that game. Mississippi State trying to get back to 500 in conference play and pick up their 17th win overall. LSU is at South Carolina. Gamecocks will be looking to bounce back bigly. Tennessee, you would expect them to keep rolling as they host Vanderbilt this weekend. Though Vanderbilt played Tennessee tough for a while the first time in Nashville, and they're coming off a win against Texas A&M at home. Kentucky at Auburn could be special. That's where college game day will be on Saturday. Did you see after the game last night, students immediately started setting up tents in front of the arena? Just walked out and popped a pitch of tents. Went, went and got their tent and came back to the arena and started camping out, yeah. And then you've got Ole Miss trying to get back to 500 in SEC play. They are currently 5-6, and six and they are hosting 0-11 Missouri. I honestly don't know how Missouri is this bad. They're, they've had some close games, haven't they? They've had some close games, but they've become a little less close as of late. I mean... Mississippi State thumped them last week. Before that, it was a 19-point loss to A&M. They lost by 7 to Vandy. They lost by 7 to Arkansas. Kept it close with South Carolina. Lost that one by 8. Yeah, they've had some close losses. I just feel like that roster is a little bit better. They've had some injury issues. You know what a close loss is, though? An L. Loss? Shape of an L on your forehead. Yes. Yes, that's what it is. He smashed mouth, I see you. There you go. There you go. Never know when that's coming. It's the occasional cultural reference. Uh, No Michael Borky tomorrow. He will be elsewhere. I know, and I'm going to get ripped. And I deserve it. I'm missing a Friday. I deserve it. Seeing a doctor. the only one that can be here on Friday? Jeez Louise. I know. I'm just taking one for the team. You needed a day off. I'll be here. Look forward to it. We'll have a big old time tomorrow, hey, Dan. Whatever is said is justified. I'm excited. Uh, if you dish, you got to take. Uh, college baseball opening day tomorrow. We'll be getting ready for basketball this weekend. I think Bruce will stop by. I'm going to try to check in with Brad Henderson from Honolulu and a whole lot more. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Enjoy your Thursday night. Thanks for being with us.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.